hello and welcome to another Film Flashbacks episode on the Auto Archives podcast. The basic format is, each episode we select a year at random and talk briefly about that year in movies. Our least favourites, our top five, along with some honourable mentions and some recommendations. This time round, we take a look at the year of 1993, a year in which notorious drug lord Pablo Escobar is gunned down by police in Colombia, Bill Clinton was sworn in as the 42nd President of the United States, Cars, Ford Mondeo and the Foxhall Corsa are released on the British market for the first time, and artist Prince decides to turn his name into a symbol. But it was also a great year for movies. Listen now to hear Max and I share our views on the movies released in 1993. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi, Max. Welcome back to a film flashbacks episode. How are we doing, mate? Very well, mate. I like the fact that we've spent Valentine's Day together, and now we're spending <laughs> Mother's Day together as well. So all the all the big holidays this year. Yeah, so there's no any... there's no better way to celebrate Mother's Day than sitting at home in a different room to your wife doing exactly. a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what you know. That's that. That's what the day is all about. And okay. if there are any mothers, you know, shout out to any mothers who might be listening to this podcast and. <laughs> Thank you for all the work that you do. You know, just uh, keep on, keep on mothering. <laughs> keep on trucking, right? Keep on trucking. <laughs> um, so today, I'm looking forward to this one because yeah. this was a struggle. Because there's some, yeah. like we were saying before this, there's a heavy mix of classics and childhood nostalgia. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. So before we do that, though. Let's talk about our movie homework. Uh, so the last episode we did was on 2001, the year of 2001. And we each went away and watched a film each. So my recommendation to you was to go and watch AI. And mine was from you was for me to go and watch the first Harry Potter film. So yep. I'll ask you first. Cause I'm actually quite okay. nervous what you're going to say. So what did you think of AI? Uh, so this has probably got to be one of the top three films I've ever watched where I was like, this is nowhere near what I was expecting. Okay. Because I'll tell you why. And again, this is me solely basing on my memory of this film from seeing it in trailers and posters and that's it. And never really looking into it or reading about it and just, you know, never taking an interest until now to actually watch it. I thought it was going to be like the film. Have you ever seen Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be like that, where it's kind of a light-hearted family film where it's, you know, a robot that wants to become human and he gets into all these hijinks and stuff like that. This was probably one of the most heartbreaking episodes of Black Mirror I've ever watched. Yeah. Like, it's... Because uh, it kind of is that in the sense of, you know... I don't. I, I really can't go into this without spoiling quite a bit of the film. So apologies to anyone who's not seen the film, but I think it, you have to, you have to talk about it in detail to really understand, like, you know, the, the type of film it is. But it deals with a lot of like, uh, I don't know. It's 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 quite heartbreaking in the sense of like how the characters first introduced is the fact that obviously this couple, their son is in a coma he's got a de- debilitating uh, disease he's likely to die and they're offered this opportunity to not replace their son but basically have this robot child that you know will kind of fill that void 
and you know they they grow to to you know to love him and that um it, it's really important to uh you know note at this point and you'll probably agree fuck martin i can't remember who martin is the little kid the son oh right does, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So and then the son, you know, this is and this this happens within like the first twenty five minutes of the film as well. Because I was like, blimey, this is really shooting past. And I was like, how long is this film? Mm. It's two and a half hours long. And I was like, blimey, <laughs> that's a lot that's happened already in twenty five minutes. But essentially, you know, it's not it's not massive to the story. But the son does recover and ultimately comes back into the home, and he's jealous of the you know the the robot son that they got David, um, and you know, he just they basically end up thrown away like an appliance just like it's you know we don't need you anymore but you know they, they go through these ground rules beforehand of you know once you're attached to this child you need to speak this code and it will forever be embedded in your like uh it will be loyal to you forever basically so you know take this seriously if you're going to take this oath then really think about it and it's fucking heartbreaking just like and again that's in the first like 20 25 minutes of the film and then the journey that he goes on and stuff like that, I like I said, I did not expect it in the slightest where it was going to go. It's it's not even it's not even a nice story. It's quite a it's quite heartbreaking and quite oh, an massively. eerie story. Very eerie as well. Very like there's the bit when he makes his way to the workshop where they create like the robots and that, mm-hmm. and he sees him. And the model that he's based on yeah. hanging from the rafters, and it's like, this is—it's just—it's just weird. And even the moments when you think there's about to be something quite nice, it's overshadowed by just how bleak and how dark a story it is. And it it's, is. And like even the ending, I, I, I won't—I won't ruin the ending. Yeah, yeah. Even the end, because even the ending wasn't what I thought the ending was going to be. Because obviously he gets—he kind of finds his blue fairy. And then the narrator explains what happens to him, and it was like, oh, that's quite a sad ending. And that's not that's not even the ending. No, that's not even the ending. There's still 20, 25 minutes of the film to go, which and then it's even more heartbreaking. What happens next? It's literally like it's just it was very dark, very yeah, very just very upsetting, and just kind of like it's brilliant. It was you know absolutely brilliant concept and stuff like that. And again, I think it's one of those things where twenty years ago people were like. Pfft, that's way off. That's so weird. That's such a weird thing. 2021, we're in an age where you've got robotics and AI, you know, yeah. becoming even more of a thing and stuff. And it's, it just hits home so much more now, you know, how real it is, but even stuff like, um, what they call the flesh fair, like the, Oh mate, that's like- such a, for what is kind of a kid's film kind yeah. of, cause I saw this at the cinema, right. With my mum, I think. Yeah. That scene is so dark. So, so I couldn't believe it was a 12 because I was like, my, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff in it. I was like, this is not for kids. Like, as in like, when they go basically the city, which is basically robotic Amsterdam, where it's like, if you want to fuck a robot, come to this city that's got fucking blowjob bridges and stuff like that. It's like, it's, it, it, it's not a kid's film. I'll put it that way. But like. That's the thing. Yeah, the so flesh- just, just on that, like I said, I went to cinema and I think it was just, poorly advertised or wrongly yeah. advertised yeah. because i can't have see imagine my mum taking me to see this no th- you know thinking how you knowing how bleak it potentially it, it, well it, I, it gets towards the end it's yeah it looks like it's a kid's film but it's not and that's why i thought it was supposed to be a bit like by centennial man like i said a bit of a like a family you know you know not so much not so much the drama bit but a bit more of a family film but yeah and like um 
so like the flesh fair where they basically people that aren't happy with the robots uh basically torture them in front of a stadium and stuff of people and stuff like that and they come up with these like horrible ways to torture these you know machines that do have emotions and feelings and can feel pain and stuff like that and they're like yeah we're gonna fire you out of a cannon into a giant propeller for for hordes of people that cheer and it's just it's horrible and it's just it's yeah it's it's a real thinker of a film and stuff like that and it just it sounds like you really enjoyed it the way you've been talking about it it's it i I tell you why i'm not gonna lie that i i think the middle of the film is the best part i think the middle of the film when it kind of his journey and stuff like that is the best um but yeah it's just not what i expected in the slightest but yeah Yeah. i I thought it was absolutely brilliant it is it's so i think it's really underrated and I think Spielberg gets shit on because he took on a Kubrick project. And Kubrick is yeah. kind of in the film world is like an untouchable thing. Like, how dare you take on his projects and, and make it a Spielberg thing? I think that's why he gets a lot of flack. But a lot of what's in the film is what Kubrick did, or at least yeah. written or the concepts. He's, he's tried to keep it as much to what Kubrick had envisioned. Uh, because essentially the story is just a modern version of Pinocchio, yeah. like becoming and, he wants to become a real boy. That is literally yeah. what it is. And there's you know, and there there is you could argue there are kind of Kubrick themes in it because the start of the film when the family is introduced to David and he's kind of getting used to his surroundings and they're getting used to the fact that we've got this boy in the house as a robot. It's really uncomfortable. It's really quite eerie and stuff like that because he keeps appearing out of nowhere and it's it's freaking the family out his, and they can't... his laugh as well. There's a scene oh, when God, he like has yeah, this fake table, laugh, yeah. yeah. And they're like, is, yeah, it's it is and it's it's it doesn't again. It's one of those it's one of those things where I think if it was a properly fa- if it was a proper family film, it'd be one of those things where the family learn to love him and you know love that, and then they fight for him because they want to keep him and it's like. Now nah, it's just really unsettling from the start, and it just gets kind of it, it inks towards that where it's like, oh, do you know what they're accepting him? And then it's like, nah, bye. Like, thanks for you, thanks for everything. Yeah. But it puts yeah, a much more realistic spin on like what that actually happened. What yeah, what people and, may I mean, react like. And again, you know, you 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 do remember that it's, he is a machine, and the bits when like he's begging his mum to not give him up and stuff like that, and it's just it's again it's heartbreaking. Tough, isn't it's it? like yeah, it's horrible because again, it's one of these things where. You know, like I said, they explain to them that once you've chosen him and once you've assigned him to yourself, that's it. Like he will be undyingly loyal. And they even say at the start of the film, you know, the moral question of if you build a machine that's its job is to love you, that's fine. But what if you don't end up loving the machine? Like, how does that, you know, should you have built that thing in the first place? And it's, it's, yeah, it's a real, it's a real thinker of a movie and a bit of a heartbreaker. And, um, visually for a film that's 20 years old visually still really good as well like yeah. it um it holds up in that when you see like the the broken robots and like the the you know the group of uh people the salvage parts and stuff that's quite quite yeah amazing. it does it all looks good good so, yeah, I'm, would... I'm i'm really glad you enjoyed it i i yeah. really think people need to give it another shot i remember first time like i said certain cinema i don't think it really registered what it was about and then seeing it again after a couple of years later there wasn't didn't feel it as good as good as I now enjoy it. I absolutely mm. love it. I think it's it's really good film. Oh, yeah. good, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, so here comes the heartbreak. <laughs> so right, so I went away to watch Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, here we go. I, are you sat down? Yep. I 
absolutely loved it. <laughs> really? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Good. Really, okay. really enjoyed it. I Good. thought I'd go in and be just a miserable bastard and go, <laughs> magic and wizards and <laughs> oh, spell books, and oh. cloaks and broomsticks, <laughs> like fucks. Trolls. But I don't, it's really hard not to get caught up in the magic of it, pun fully intended. It's, yeah. it's just great. It's you can't. There's I I I would I wasn't looking for flaws or reasons to dislike it, but there is nothing mm. to dislike. Um, really good story. I like I said, I pretty much know outside of the characters' names, like plot wise, I have no idea of the story. Okay. Whatsoever, I don't even know how it pans out. Which I think, which I think is a good thing as well because oh, totally. you'll enjoy it a lot more now. And the same with what you were just saying about AI. You thought in the different uh, conception of what it was going to be about. And I think that is the best way to watch a film for me is to kind of go in completely blind. Now, I haven't got in completely blind because I know there are eight Harry Potter films and I know I have a vague idea of where it goes, but I genuinely don't know how it all ends. I'm relatively spoiler free um, to the point where I didn't know how this ended. Okay. And it was more for me, it was like, I know all these characters grow up together, but I didn't know how they met. So it was interesting to see, you know, Hermione, Harry and Ron all meet for the first time. So I'd never seen that. So that was quite interesting. Obviously, I know how they've grown up together. So it's quite fun to see them young and starting out and young actors. Um, It was slightly, and again, I've never read Harry Potter book either. So I don't even, didn't even know how it all started. It was slightly like, Darker is perhaps a bit strong, but but darker than I thought it was going to be. So okay. I thought it was going to be kind of what you just said about AI, a bit more twee and a bit upbeat and all this fluffy, duffy stuff. Cut to Harry Potter under the stairs, <laughs> like, you know, treated like shit by his, mm-hmm. is it uncle and auntie? Yeah. And just basically being bullied till up to the age of 11, I think they he goes to yeah. Hogwarts. So all this stuff, I was and like, his, oh, and his right. And Dudley. Yeah, all this stuff. Like, oh, right. He's just lived, you know, there's that classic trope of leaving the baby on the doorstep. And they, there's normally, it's like they get, they live in this life of luxury. But no, yeah. he's lived in 11 years of, of hell, basically, in a small room under the, the stairs. I was like, Jesus, I didn't think it was that going to be, you know, it's not bleak, but, you know, it's down, downbeat. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really got caught up in it. Um, I did take me a while to get through because I didn't realise how long this film is. <laughs> I didn't. It's, when, it's only when you said that. It's, it's two and a half hours long, isn't it? It's the, first the film? exact same length as The Dark Knight. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Blimey. So I will say I did think it... I mean, I, I'm going to say I did think it dragged, but I also can appreciate that I imagine there's a lot in the books that they need to cram in for the first oh, yeah. film. So I get it. But at the same time, I think it was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if they did split each film in two, there'd be like, what, 16 films? So I don't know if oh, it yeah. quite pan out, but I just think it was like getting a bit, bit long towards the end. But yeah, and I think I, with, you know, with things like that as well, the it's a kid's book. Yeah. And you're turning it into a kid's film and kids aren't going to sit for like. I think I messaged you. I was like, how have kids like sat through that? Yeah. But then I also thought, and I kind of took back my comments because lord of the rings is longer than this fellowship is longer oh, yeah. than this and i sat through that pr- 
pretty contently. I will say, at the moment, I'm still a Lord of the Rings guy over Harry Potter, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it has not deterred me from wanting to go through the rest of the franchise and see kind of how it goes and how each film is different. I like, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think Maggie Smith Good. is great. I think the kids yeah. are all great. Uh, Snape. Robbie is, Coltrane. Uh, yeah, Robbie Coltrane, not Snape. That's his character. Uh, Rickman is brilliant. Yeah. Everyone's just really good. And and I didn't see the twist coming either. Even for a kid's film to have that, you know, twist, uh, the wall put over my eyes on that. I was like, oh, fair play. Yeah. I thought, it, you know, personally didn't think it was that obvious. I haven't had any context before, so maybe it is for some. We've read the books, obviously. I don't know if it is the exact same, but really enjoyed it. Um yeah, and also to what you said about the, the graphics for AI, they still hold up here, the whole yeah. troll scene. It's certainly not dated as other films around the same time and slightly earlier. It still holds up relatively fine. The the dog, like Cerberus scene as well, it all looks yeah. great. I really, really I th- enjoyed it. It's good you said about the, like, the twist at the end because, like I said in the episode, I, I started reading the book and I got to about three quarters of the way, then I went to see it at the cinema, and so mm. I didn't know the ending. So I was like... You built up the whole time, like it's going to be Snape, it's going to be you know one of the dark wizards of that, and then obviously there's a twisty, like oh, oh, like didn't yeah. didn't see that coming in the slightest kind I, of thing. I so still it's... had this conception of Snape just being this bad teacher, like yeah. the evil teacher. So when it wasn't him, I was like, okay, that's, I was pleasantly yeah, and, surprised. And that's the thing, as you as you carry on through the film stuff like that, it's um, yeah, it does get it does get a bit dark and stuff like that. But I think uh, personally the fourth one goblet of fire is just i love that so good you know so much when you've got the the triwizard tournament and stuff like that and you know the um just like the uh like the, the battle of the scores and the big you know right. you know the um, competitions they have and the stuff behind it is just yeah brilliant I do but, yeah. Love, no I i'm do, really glad you enjoyed it i do love the whole like i knew i'm you know fully aware of gryffindor and the houses and stuff like that yeah it just reminded me of school where we just had the equivalent bit it was like the Romans team and the Vikings yeah. and the Saxons and the Normans. It just reminded me of that. And we all had our own point system as well. So it's like, this has just felt exactly the same. Um, the, the, fu- the, the funniest thing about the Harry Potter films and like, you know, it, it's the fact that like you got the four houses, but Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff seem to just be like side things. Never really yeah, mentioned no one the whole time. No one cares <laughs> yeah, about them. Like, like there's, you know, there's a bit when like they award all the points to Gryffindor, so they win at the end of the year, and Slytherin are like, oh no, like oh we could have won, and then it's like, yeah, nobody bothers to look at the other two tables yeah. of kids being like, we weren't even mentioned. They've like, just left. Like, They've already left. It's like I could care less. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I, I'm glad. To... <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a two house school really, but uh, <laughs> but no, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I, I hope you um. Yeah, crack on with the others because, like I said, they just get better and they are um, yeah. fantastic films as well. But no, no definitely. Gl- I'm thoroughly gl- glad you enjoyed them. Right. So, moving on to get the chaff out of the way, let's talk about our least favourite. Now, speaking briefly, you struggled with this. Um, so, firstly, was there any bad films that you wanted to, for 1993, that you uh, wanted to discuss quickly, or was it just no, a solid I, year? I, I genuinely so uh, I so I, I worked out I've seen twenty two films of the year nineteen ninety three, um, and I genuinely every single one of them I have some nostalgia or memory of enjoying it to the point where I don't think I could point out any flaws. So I genuinely am going to 
pass on this this time okay. and say, out of these films, I would genuinely not criticise any of them and actually enjoy watching them again. So I'm I'm going to pass pass this on to you for anything that you've um, not enjoyed or that you would call out. Okay, so I'm slightly concerned now because I'm thinking that maybe the film that I'm about to shit on is one you may have some weird child nostalgia for. And the, I've only got one bad film, really. Um, and that one bad film is the Super Mario Brothers film. Never seen it. Never okay. seen it. Don't bother, mate. It's fucking yeah. shocking. Um, so obviously you've got, well, Dennis Hopper is Bowser. Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Bob Hoskins is Mario, and there's just some things that shouldn't have never, you know, should never have happened, and this is one of them. <clears throat> like this is the reason why video game movies just get lumbered in with crap. And for the fair part, that is true. But this is just a f- firm example of uh, something that should two different art forms that should never have met, and this is one of them. It's just so shocking. I'm, Not I'm even pretty- like so bad it's good it's just really bad i'm I'm pretty sure i saw an interview or something where bob hoskins said that was his biggest regret not in his career but his life like that was his biggest like like imagine imagine being like that not not in my career like that's the biggest regret in my entire living life (laughs) like that doing that film but yeah man it's it's not even <laughs> worth it. Maybe not even like you know a drunken, yeah, you know, it's watch. Terrible. It's just terrible. So right, that's it. Done out the way. Fair enough. Happy days. Yeah, let's get on to the good stuff. Right. So, top five for nineteen ninety three. So, I'm going to throw it to you this time. I think I started last okay. time. So, if you want to start with your number five film of nineteen ninety three. Okay. So my number five film of nineteen ninety three is Groundhog Day. Nice. Good choice. So Groundhog Day, for those who don't know, uh, Bill Murray plays a news reporter who's sent down to a, a yearly event, the Groundhog Day event in... I'm trying to see, make sure I pronounce this right. Pucks, Pucks and Autonomy? Pucks and Autonomy? <laughs> Pucks and Autonomy? Yeah, sorry. whatever, mate. Yeah, whatever you said. <laughs> yeah, whatever's, yeah. In Pennsylvania, where basically they uh, unveil a groundhog, and if he sees his shadow, then ultimately they get, uh, I think it's like two more, three months more winter, whatever whatever the event is. But he's, he's basically told to go down there and cover the event. Um, and he has to stay in this little town that ultimately, you know, is covering the story and he, he hates having to do it. And, you know, it's above, it's, it's below him kind of thing. And, you know, but um, uh, fate would have it that he ends up getting trapped in the same day, living the same day, time after time after time in the town, day after day for for years, basically. It's, it's worked out. I saw a thing where somebody worked out that he basically would have had to have been in that town for about 10,000 years to, to, to do all the things Jesus. he did. Um, so he, he's basically trapped, you know, living the same day, day after day um, in this, this small town. Uh, every time he kills himself, he comes back literally the same day and he works up in this cycle and he can't work out why he's stuck in this, uh, this particular day ultimately, but he, he learns to kind of, um, you know interact with the people in the town and ultimately better their lives and he does it's one of those it's one of those kind of like grand theft grand theft auto kind of moments where you kind of like i can do whatever i want right now yeah, because yeah. i could i could literally go you know steal a car go on a car chase drive off a cliff don't matter because i'm waking up tomorrow i'm gonna i'm gonna respawn tomorrow so you know he 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 looks out for um 
people that have died and stuff like that, or that he hears that have died. So he, he saves them. He does all the, he starts doing all these nice things and starts actually taking advantage of the situation in a nice way and bettering people's lives. Um, and ultimately he ends up, uh, well, he, he, he slowly falls in love with his colleague played by Andy McDowell. Um, and he uses that time to kind of practice what he's going to do each time to make, make a full frib in the space of 24 hours, basically. Yeah. Um, but he does all these things like he learns how to play the piano, he learns how to ice sculpture, he learns all these things while he's stuck in this one moment. And yeah, like I said, somebody worked out it'd have to be like something stupid, like 10,000 years for him to work to master all the things that they display that he learns to do in the film. Um, but it's Bill Murray, you know, it's yeah. I, I absolutely love Bill Murray and he just plays his part so well as just this sarcastic, um, you know, cynical news reporter who isn't happy with going down to this event as it and you know in the first place let alone being being trapped in the same day time after time after time as well i don't just... i don't think anyone but bill murray could have done this as well no. certainly not have done it as well like he's he's just perfect for this yeah. film i wondered if this was in your number in your list because michael shannon is in it and he wants yes. to go to wrestlemania <laughs> yes. that's right there's a scene where a young couple get married and he attends their reception and yeah, Michael, yeah, Michael Shannon comes up and says, you know, thank you very much. And there's like, oh yeah, thank you for the wedding gift as well. We're going to WrestleMania. And it's like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. So, but, um, but that, that was WrestleMania seven as well, which, uh, was that? That. No, it was eight. So WrestleMania eight, that was, uh, that was pretty decent WrestleMania to be fair. You had Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior for any, any of those people <laughs> out there listening or who care, you know, probably, probably not, but... <laughs> any, any, any resting plug, mate, you go for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, so uh, it was, yeah, that, that was my top five just because like I said, absolutely brilliant Bill Murray film. It's, it's a, it's a funny concept. It's a bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say science fiction. It's a bit of a kind of a fantasy, I suppose, kind yeah, of a, you know, yeah. it's, yeah you know a bit of a you know odd, odd odd concept and stuff like that but brilliantly done and like i said it's the uh, it, it's just hilarious when he kind of realizes that you can get away with anything and what he does uh, <laughs> and then obviously you know he turns it around but you know yeah. the, the initial initial realization as of i can get away with anything it's just it's brilliant what he does and stuff like that it's, um, i i i always in, for me i lumber it in with films like uh it's a wonderful life and the christmas carol yes. kind of like yes stories where like the, the main characters the actual character takes a u-turn and you know yeah. it becomes more positive i always think it's that sort of thread but groundhog day has its own unique thing of having living this day over and over again yeah um but yeah no that's that's a really good shout like that as uh, as your number five nice one thank you so <laughs> my number five is one i was shown at school actually for history lessons and absolutely loved it and um, we used it to study a particular moment and it'll become clear in a moment what i'm talking about but um <laughs> what what's no, funny? Just, I, only because i'm looking for the films in my that i've seen in that year and there's not a single one that i would imagine was was shown in history class <laughs> but if it was like i'd love to know what your curriculum was on well okay so Let's let's get the mystery out of the way. So, I was trying to build some some suspense, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so the film I've got is Tombstone. Oh, okay. Have you seen Tombstone? No. 
Ooh, I've, not seen it. I've, I've not seen a lot of westerns. I'll, I'll be honest. I've never seen a lot of western films. Put a pin in Tombstone as your potential okay. film to go away and watch okay. because I absolutely love this. Like I said, in History Lesson, they were, we were shown this film studying the West and studying particularly the OK Corral, which is kind of the famous shootout that happens within this film. It stars uh, Kurt Russell, Sam Elliott, uh, Bill Paxton, and various other people. But for me, this film has Val Kilmer's best performance ever. Okay. Um, and again, I think there's an element of nostalgia in here, but he plays Doc Holliday. And honestly, that character is one of the most likable, charismatic characters in cinema. I think he's great. So basically what it follows is uh, legendary Marshall Wyatt Earp is, now is like a weary gunfighter. And he's on the prowl of tombstone which is the name of this mining town and he's basically forced to come back and to be the sheriff again and he's after this gang basically and that's that's kind of the the crux of it but it's just great fun and obviously it's based on history and we studied we watched this film or scenes from this film in history like over and over and we were studying like i think it was like like um the how it was like reported like how it went down you had like um i'm trying to think back to school now blimey how long ago how did, was that? How did we go to the same or no sorry how did we go to school at the same time in the same country and you did the wild wild west and we did yeah. the the tudor you know uh uprising oh mate and... it's because my history teacher was fucking cool mr Carr. we used yeah. to we watched in in history <laughs> Just quickly, massive tangent. In our history lessons with Mr. Carr, we watched Gladiator, <laughs> um, this, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> this Adam Short. What else? There was one. I think we watched met... Elizabeth. We watched a, a, a couple of a few bits of Elizabeth in history, That's and really boring, I think we mate. watched Enemy at the Gate. Yeah. No. Yeah, Enemy at the Gate. Well, when we did look. Will Smith. No, no, that's no. It? I'm thinking of Enemy of the State. I'm thinking of yeah. No, it was the one about the sniper. It's Jude Law. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, I yeah. think it is Enemy of the Gate. Yeah, he, sh- he showed us the bit when he's just picking people off, and it's like, is this going to be in the exam? Like, <laughs> is this like? <laughs> oh, actually, the other film was JFK. That's just reminded me because we that's saw amazing. the whole JFK getting shot, and we were in like year five of school. Wow, it's like this is mm. awesome. Um, but yeah, anyway, Tombstone is so good it's really i i have a bit of a soft spot for westerns as well now this isn't like a spaghetti western like the good bad the ugly movies clint eastwood movies it's a very hollywood one it's a very hollywood one but it's great fun like i said val kilmer is brilliant kurt russell for me is kind of unrecognizable like he has this massive long mustache and then you've got like Sam Elliott, who just always has a mustache <laughs> um, and one of the coolest voices ever. But such oh, yeah. a great cast. Like I said, um, just looking through the list now, you've got Billy Zane as well. You've got a Billy Bob Thornton's in there. It says Charlton Heston. I don't remember Charlton Heston being it. Um, but <laughs> He's fighting yeah. an ape in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just merging two films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tombstone is so good. And the way I was kind of approaching my top five 
I think we discussed it is kind of like our Desert Island Five. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some other obviously classic and great films, but it's like what are the films I would love to watch, and Tombstone is just a great watch. So yeah, that's my that's my number five. So okay. over to you for number four. So my number four uh, is uh, Robert De Niro's directing debut film, A Bronx Tale. Love it. Great pick. I absolutely love this film and I can I would I would call this the not anti goodfellas but the sort of like the 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 opposite goodfellas in a sense that you've got a young kid who idolizes you know young kid grows up in the Bronx in in New York um in a you know quite a heavy uh, Italian American neighborhood he idolizes the guys who have, you know, the the, the mafia, the the you know the the people that run the streets, stuff like that. He wants to be them when he grows up. Makes his way into becoming friends with them at a very young age, you know. And it's it's kind of like Goodfellas in that sense of like you know mm. that loving you know loving the lifestyle, loving the the fear that it has, and loving the respect and stuff like that. But where Goodfellas explores like how much like the greed and the the lavish lifestyle and like the, the the dizzying highs of it this actually explores like the kind of like actually it's not all like that it's actually really quite horrible and you know yeah you'll you'll lose friends and you'll you'll alienate people and your family work will you know a, you know disagree with your choices and stuff like that and you can you can go down a very dark path and you know there's it's it's brilliant and you know it's it tells a story uh Young kid who I can't say his full name because I'm just going to say his nickname, which is C, because um, <laughs> because nobody can pronounce his name in the films, so they just call him C. Uh, but yeah, he grows up in the Bronx. He idolizes the local um, like mafia head guy called Sonny. Um, he at a very young age he helps Sonny. Sonny kills a guy in the middle of the street, and he's the he's basically the only witness, and he doesn't rat on him. Sonny takes a liking to him. He starts working in his club and stuff like that. And um, sees dad played by Robert De Niro, who is the scariest bus driver in the world. You know, if you, if you like, love if De Niro. If you were 2P yeah. short, you wouldn't tell him. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'll just walk. You're 2P short? You're 2P short. <laughs> but yeah, he just, he just absolutely, you know, brilliant in this as well as, as his dad. And he's, you know, he's trying to explain to him that, what they're doing, it's you know, it's a lavish lifestyle, but the money they make stuff like that, it's all it's horrible. It's they're not Love you know, money. there's a bit yeah, Sonny says to see at one point, you know, the working man is a chump, you know, the and you know, Rob De Niro's character explains that, you know, what we do isn't easy, you know. He, he says, Oh, we're chumps. How, try getting up early each day, going out and earning your money rather than killing people and dealing with, yeah. you know, horrible things to get this money. And, you know, he C does he sees this because ultimately as he grows up, his friends, they get very into the lifestyle. They want to be the next sort of gangsters. They want to be the next crew, but he, you know, he, he quickly learns that, you know, they're bad for him and stuff like that. And that, you know, this is the time in America as well when, um, you know, there was a whole um, issue of race in America, stuff like that. And that's explored quite a bit. You know, he ultimately falls for a black girl and, uh, you know, hits, it's the whole kind of well no you know we can't mix we can't you know we can't be together yeah. stuff like that and it's it's that whole you know dealing with that as well and how actually you know the lifestyle he wants to get into or, or that he he idolizes a kid isn't 
what he wants to do because it's not, you know, it's not the the right path he wants to go down. But it's and that's why I say it's kind of like the opposite of Goodfellas because it doesn't, you know, Goodfellas, like I said, it explores the whole like doing these big heists and buying these lavish things and having this amazing lifestyle when really it's like, yeah, but it comes at such a horrible cost. And it is, it is a case that, like I said, you know, he loses friends. He, you know, he almost loses family in it as well. And it just it explores that whole other element of it but it's it's quite a nice film as well it's 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 like i said it's a, it's a nice coming of age film set yeah, in a, set in that kind of gangster um you know that you know that gangster idolizing 60s uh 50s and 60s america but i i think i, I absolutely loved it I'm, again I, I i remember watching this thinking it was gonna be like goodfellas and it wasn't it was mm. you know like i said it was a bit more of a, a bit more of a drama than it was kind of that sort of gangstery film um I've gotten into the habit of doing this thing now where if I watch a film that's set years and years ago, if somebody earns money or is given money or wins money, whatever, I will, I will Google what the, <laughs> what the inflation is just to see what it's like. <laughs> being like, these days. like the equivalent it's, now. Yeah. I just, I just get interested. Like I wonder how much that was. Like, there's a, there's a scene where, um, C's mum finds the money that he's made at the club and he's like, what eight or nine years old they're giving like six hundred dollars this is 1960 that's worth five and a half thousand dollars now like i was was like because his mum and dad are like where'd you get the six hundred dollars from he's like oh you become a brain surgeon overnight like he's like no i I earn it at the club and then i was like six hundred dollars that's not a lot let's see how much it was worth it's like oh it's five and a half grand like okay fair enough like you'd be kid to have (laughs) yeah you'd be suspicious if your eight-year-old had five and a half grand hidden behind his bed and that but but yeah, just absolutely love it, and it's um, I love gangster films as well, and I think this is just yeah. a, such a different a different view on it. Where, like I said, it doesn't really explore that whole, um, you know, the like I said, the, the lavish. It doesn't put a positive doesn't. light on it, really. No, it does doesn't. It, it, it kind it of shows you like the reality of it, yeah. because obviously, Goodfellas. Spoiler: I mean, it's been out for years. It doesn't exactly end well. And so it does I, kind of have that moral at the end. It's like, yeah, this isn't worth it. But this is kind of much earlier. Like he's like, see, as he grows up, is nowhere near as old as Ray Liotta in, in Goodfellas. So it's no. kind of like the gangster and, uh, environment through a much younger lens, really. Yeah. And even Sonny, you know, the head of this, this crime unit that uh, the character idolises, he, you know, he explains to him, you, you've got to stop hanging out with your friends because they're idiots. They're going to get you in trouble. They're going to get you killed. You know, he, he's, he wants what's best for him. He's not just trying to manipulate him. He's saying, you know, you need to stay away from these guys. And there's even a part when he even says to him that, don't be me. I'm me. Don't be me. Be you. Like, don't follow, you know, don't get into what, I, what I'm doing. This is my life. Live your life. And it's even, yeah. like I said, it's even that whole thing of like, even the guy who's living that life doesn't want other people to follow his path because he, he, he himself knows that he's always watching over his shoulder. You're always living a life where people fear you. They don't love you. And even again, he sits That's him it, down yeah. at one point and he says, you know, people don't love me. They fear me. I love, you know, if I tell a joke, people laugh. I know yeah. I'm funny, but I'm not that funny, but people fear me. If they fear you, they'll eventually turn against you because if they love you, they'll cherish you. They'll be loyal. If people fear you, there's a certain point where people will go, you know what, I'm, I don't want to be scared anymore, and they'll do something about it. So he he even knows that it's not the best part. But yeah, I think it's just such a such a brilliant film, such a 
it's a sweet film. It's a sad film. It's a, it's, um, it's also yeah. got a banging soundtrack. Oh, like it's massively. got that like do what music is so Jimmy good. Hendrix, Dean Martin. Yeah. It's got, yeah, it's got such a great, it's got, it's got, it's funny as well. There's, there's the bit when they're playing crabs in the, uh, in the basement and like, there's a guy they call coffee cake face because he's got like a horrible, like, um, yeah. birthmark like, or, yeah, whatever he's like, and, you know, he's like, I can't look at his face anymore. He's putting me off. Put him in the bathroom. Get his, get him in the bathroom. They're like, they put, they're pushing all the people they don't like into this tiny yeah, bathroom. He's blaming them because he's losing. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it is, you know, it is quite, like I said, it's quite a sweet, funny film. But yeah, this is just one that really stuck with me. As you know, I love the gangs films. Kind of thought it was going to be the same copy and paste sort of story, mm. and it just wasn't. And uh, yeah, abs- absolutely love it. Nice. Yeah, love that. Great shout. I've always been a massive fan of this. Yeah. And yeah, definitely one. Definitely less known maybe as a gangster oh, film. Massively. Um, it's not it wasn't very commercially successful. I looked into mm. it. It was it was it's one of those very critically acclaimed films, but very didn't really do that much um commercially. But no. whether or not it just wasn't bigged up to the, the extent of like the Godfather or Goodfellas, I don't know. But uh, Yeah, that's but, it, yeah. exactly. Very, very underrated, but absolutely brilliant. So this is a nice segue into my gangster film pick, which is Carlito's Way. <laughs> uh, Brian De Palma film uh, is probably best known for Scarface, which as both films contain Al Pacino, which for my money, and here comes the hot take. Are you ready? This is better than Scarface for me. Um, Scarface... Um, was a film I think as a young teenager was the cool film to watch because it's an 18 and it's so brutal and, and we love drugs. Vice City. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a lot of drugs and sex and guns and all that and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Carlito's Way has a better story and a better likable character because at the end of the day, Tony Montana isn't really that likable. He just loses his shit. Um, it's getting to loud Pacino. Oh, no, actually, no, actually, they're both loud Pacino in this. In yeah, Carlito's Way, yeah, he does have his moments, to be fair. But yeah, Carlito's Way is brilliant. It's So Al Pacino plays Carlito Brigante, who's a Puerto Rican ex-con who basically gets released to prison near the start of the film. And basically, kind of what you've just said about Bronx Tale, he kind of wants to go straight. He wants to get out of the gangster life and wants to go start a new business, open up a club. But classic godfather three quote just when i thought i was out they pull me back in um and just gets caught up in the whole gangster life like you know that whole thing about you you never really leave that lifestyle um but he's desperately trying to to get out of it and just start a new life with his um his love of his life as well which is yeah i I think with all of those things make it a sad gangster film isn't it? yeah it's a really soppy one no it's not it's not (laughs) it is it has a bit of a yeah i mean it's definitely got a sad ending and i won't go into that um but yeah i i i really enjoy it and i really think if i if someone said right pick an al pacino gangster film outside of godfather um I would pick this over Scarface every time. I think it's such a better story. It's got a great soundtrack as well. It also uh, makes me laugh. I would have played Vice City before I seen this. And you remember in Vice City you had um, oh, Ken Rosenberg? He was yeah. like the lawyer with yeah. the like, Afro-y yeah. loud hair. He's based off Sean Penn's character in this. Yes. And like watching it back and like, 
what the hell? I was like, he's just copied. So now you appreciate like Vice City much more because they look at things like Scarface and other gangster oh, yeah. films before it was released and go, I'll take a bit of that, I'll take a bit of that. Um, but yeah, Carlito's Way is so good. Um, I, 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 it's no secret I'm a big gangster film fan. Like I've probably said it numerous times on this podcast now, but I, I would put it up there pretty high. Um, yeah. Love it. Absolutely brilliant. And the ending, one of the best endings as well. One of the best sort of um, final sort of lines and that he says uh, for as his character is Carlito. Yeah, really good. Really enjoy it. Uh, it sounds like you've seen this as well. Yeah, I don't remember. I, 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 this is one of these films that I remember loving when I saw. And again, because, I think again, it's because it was one of those films that I kind of went in expecting what it was going to be. And it just wasn't. It was, mm. it was like you said, you hit the nail on the head. It's not a gangster living the life and stuff like that. It's actually a gangster going, you know what? I've done that. I want to go straight now. And it's that struggle of, you know, you can want to go straight, but people know who you are and they want to, they know what you're, you can do and stuff like that. And it's a case that it's not always that easy sort of thing. And, you know, that's I think it. that's why I loved it as well. It's not in my top five, I'll be honest, because okay. it's, I remember loving it. <laughs> End of pot. But no, I, I remember, I remember loving it, just not, to the point where I was like, oh my god, like absolutely blew me away kind of thing. But mm-hmm. like I, I do remember enjoying it. I remember Pacino being very good in it as well as kind of yeah, like you said, just an ex-con who is doing his best to turn his life around. He's got, you know, he's got a, a girl and stuff like that, he's got a club, he's yep. doing the right things, but people he's still got a name out there, he's still got a reputation and people still want to he just utilize gets brought him. back into it again. Yeah. And he's like, for fuck's sake, okay, here we go. Are you a fan of anime, manga, comic book art and everything in between? Or perhaps know somebody who is? Then make sure to check out the work from Instagram artist NoopsDS on teespring.com where you can purchase some incredible artwork on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, phone cases and much more. Personally, I've bought the t-shirt with the Spider-Man print in black which looks fantastic and is a perfect fit. Various different colours are available and shipping is worldwide. To find out more, head on over to teespring.com forward slash doors forward slash noopsds. That's N-O-O-P-S-D-S. And check out all the incredible work on Instagram at noopsds. Links are also available in the episode description. Good. Right. That's, so that was my number four. Back to you for number three. So my number three is, I just want to double check, yep, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> this is my number three, so let's go. <laughs> Yay! So, uh, funny enough, actually, rewinding, we did actually study this in English because it's based on a book. What? Okay. It's actually based that. on a, yeah, it's based on a British novel mm. uh, about a struggling British actor who poses as the children's nanny to be able to see his kids so it's it's nice. it's the book is actually a lot more darker a bit more serious because he's kind of um it doesn't it's, have robin it's not it doesn't robin have williams the, <laughs> yeah it doesn't have the charm and grace and absolute fucking legendary status that robin williams did you know but um but yeah we i remember us watching that in english it was one of those things where it was like just play the video just play the video let's watch the film but yeah stop but, critiquing um, it just fucking watch yeah. it <laughs> just put the film on i want to see when he throws the, the fruit of piss brosnan <laughs> yeah. but um but yeah this this for for sure is uh not gonna lie 
this is one of the you know purely on nostalgia and 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 you know it's a brilliant film as well um you know for those who have never seen it which i'm sure there are a small who has they could have small, seen it but small corner of the world yeah that have never seen it so robin williams plays um danny who he's a voice character actor and actor who ultimately is going through a divorce and in order to see his children um due to custody scheduling issues he decides to basically pose as the family's new nanny in order to be able to see his kids and spend more time with them Un- unbeknownst to them until later on in the film um but you know it's you know it, it's robin williams he, the guy just brings any character just so much to it so much fun yeah. and stuff like that and for what is if you you know and this is what we did in english class and it kind of not ruined it but it kind of explained a bit more when you go down to the bare bones of it it's literally a story about a guy who's literally going to the most extreme levels to see his kids yep and like you look at the kind of like, oh, he's funny because he's putting all this prosthetic makeup on and he's he looking like an old lady and he's putting on this Scottish accent. And it's like, yeah, it's quite funny. But it's one of those things that's like, like I said, we drilled down to it. It's like this guy he wants to see his kids and misses his kids so much. He's going to like the most extreme measure to, yeah, to see them. do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Literally doing anything to see his kids. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just, a you know, it's, it's a. Robin, you know, like I said, great Robin Williams films. Uh, he's got this plan of, you know, posing as the nanny, but he gets into these different hijinxes and lives this double life as himself, but also as uh, as Danny as well. And it's just, you know, obviously what what eventually happens as well um, in trying to do so. But you know, the the fun along the way will always be memorable. You know, it's one of the <laughs> for me, right? The the scene in the restaurant at the end where he's switching. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, it might be some of the most highest anxiety I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. He's like switching yeah. around and like forgets to take the lipstick off and then goes into the bathroom. Like, I just want it to go well for him. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love the bit because he's, he's going back and forth between the family and his new boss and his new That's boss it. who wants to basically uh, potentially give him his own TV show. And he, he forgets which table he's supposed to go to and he goes to his <laughs> new boss his new boss's table dresses Mrs. Doubtfire, and he's like, God, I needed, I'm so glad I went to the bathroom, I needed a piss like a racehorse, like dresses like this. Yeah, forgets the <laughs> voice. And, oh, yeah. my God. Dresses this 70-year-old, you know, woman just being like, yeah, God, I need to piss like a racehorse. Like, but, um, but yeah. So, it, honestly, it, that scene is so hard to watch because you just, yeah. by this point, you're fully behind Robin Williams. Yeah. And, like, you just want him to, like, it's just his luck that it's the same night at the same time. Yeah. And you just want him to do well and he just can't ultimate, do it. The, the ultimate hijinks as well. But even like, you know, there's, there's the serious bits when, uh, you know, when it goes back to the courts and they're talking about the custody and, you know, he gives that heart-wrenching speech about, yes, I deceived everybody, but can you blame me? Like, I can't see my kids. I need to see my kids. I've been, you know, I was forced into this situation where I needed to do something in order to see my children. Like I can't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, apologize for what I did because I had to do it. And they put it down to, yeah, okay, you're a really good actor. And that was a good, that was a good monologue you just gave them and stuff like that. And it's quite, mm. like I said, it's quite a heartbreaking film as, as well. You know, it's, it is, a, it is quite a sad story and stuff, but it's, again, it's such a, such a nostalgia kick to, to watch it and stuff like that. And it's, it's, you know, it's Robin Williams. You can't not love a Robin Williams film. So many, so many funny scenes. The scene you just said a minute ago, where he throws the apple at, at James Bond, basically. <laughs> yeah. and it's just, it's like, <laughs> and was, what? 
And this is this is brilliant because this was like when Pierce Brosnan was just, a, you know, this is the same time when me and you were probably watching him as James Bond in like Goldeneye. He was yeah. just, it was just like Mrs. Doubtfire just threw a lime at James Bond. Like, well, that's, you know, it's surreal. Does he say like drive by, drive by throw or something? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Drive by fruiting like. or something like that. That's it. A fruiting. <laughs> But, um... it's so the thing is as well right like you said not only is it hilarious like when he puts his face in the is it a cake or the cream oh, it's like, oh do you want two drops or one or drop or two? Oh, there you go <laughs> it's a it's fucking classic it's one of those ones like right where if it's on telly again I, anywhere yeah, in that film yeah, i'll yeah. just watch it and yeah. i could jump in and out and enjoy it and because i know it back to front but like you said apart from it being obviously hilarious it's very like the ending is so sad. I think this is the first right to bring the mood down completely. I think films up till this point as a kid generally end happy and everyone gets back together. This might be the first film I've seen as a kid where they don't get back together. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So divorce exists yeah. and this isn't going to end very well. And yeah, it's really sad because I, so I watched, I watched the ending again to kind of for, in prep for this to really remember how it goes down and it intercuts with Robin Williams like knocking on the door and saying oh, it's my turn to have the kids and he takes the three kids away and as he's driving off it's cut to the TV show Sally Fields watching him as Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire on the TV show and a kid asks um my parents something like my parents aren't together anymore does that mean they don't love me or mm. they don't love each other and he gives this monologue where it's so sad yeah. where it's like it, you know they will always love you and and yeah, sally just, fields is kind of watching just, going fuck what just, have i done yeah just because I, just because they don't love each other doesn't mean they don't love you kind of thing and it's like yeah yeah and it it's is so you sad know, it's definitely one of those films where as you kid you don't really there are elements of it you grasp and yeah i would absolutely massively agree it's one of those films where you're like oh yeah. They don't like. Oh, okay, fair enough. That's 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 it. That's it then. Okay, yeah. wow. It's easy, like, easily the first film I was, just thought. Wow, this isn't got to happen. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's happy that he still sees his kids and all that stuff. Yes, it's not all the time like when they were married and mm. living together. But yeah, it's easy the first time. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I'd love to see my face afterwards. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> my my outlook on life has completely changed yeah. from this point. Um, but yeah. Outside of that, really fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's both our number threes. So it's kind of back to you for your number two. So my number two is Adam's Family Values. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I love the Adam's Family films. I think that I think this this iteration of them has, has been the best. I know they've done different spin-offs and TV series and stuff like that since, but I don't think anybody... Uh, Raul Julia as Gomez is literally, you know, when you see one of those actors who plays a part and you're like, this, this guy was born to play this part. Yeah. Like this was like him. Raul Julia as Gomez is like the greatest iteration of a character brought to life. Don't get me wrong. He's brilliant as M. Bison as well. Like hands, <laughs> up, you know, hands up for that. Shout but out him as, yeah. Him as Gomez Adams in these films is absolutely brilliant. I just, I, you know, the the macabre comedy element of it and that, you know, uh, and Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester. Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester as well. Again, brilliant. So you good. know, you know, perfect casting. 
Yeah, I, I, this is one of those films where there's not a single character that you don't think... Angelica oh, Houston as well. Yeah, that's what Perfect. I mean. Uh, you've got um, uh, Christina Ritchie as well as Wednesday, yep. and I, I don't know what the, the, the actor's name is for Pugsley, but there's not a single person in that film you think... Do you know what? They now nah, they should have got such and such to play. There's such good iterations of bringing these characters to life and stuff like that, and you know the the uh, the way they portray it's just absolutely brilliant. But it's um, like I said, it's the it's it's such a dark humour, but it's brilliant. It's, I absolutely love the fact that you know for so Adam's Family Values uh, for anybody who's not seen it. So uh, the, the Adam's Family have a third child. Um, pubert who uh, they the kids don't like so they hire a nanny who's played by um, oh god it's uh, Joan Cusack who turns out to actually be someone who finds her way into families becomes the nanny marries into them and then ultimately kills them and you know so she's she's just as dark and just as messed up as the, the Adams family stuff like that but it's um I think I love the fact that, you know, it does it so well. It does it in the first film as well. It explores all the different, like I said, macabre elements, stuff like that, but in such a humorous way and stuff like that. And, you know, there's a, there's a scene in this where they have a wedding and all the different characters that come out, all the different cousins and aunts and uncles, you know, it's, um, it, it, it reminds me of the Tim Burton, it reminds me of Tim Burton, yeah. uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, where you've got all the different characters, all the different creatures, all the different, you know, diverse little, you know, things that they, they create and stuff. It's brilliant. But there's one bit when, like, uh, Fester, who's who's marrying uh, the nanny, they have a bachelor party for him. And they're like, oh, we're going to bring out the cake. And they bring out, like, the giant cake. And they're like, and here she is. And they're, like, waiting for a stripper to go out. They're like, and here she is. And nobody, <laughs> they open the cake and they, she, like... The, the strip has been baked alive inside of the cake <laughs> yeah. and that. And it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just little, you know, it's, it's messed up, but, it, you know, a little bit funny as well. But it's just, you know, the kids uh, try and torture the baby as well. And the baby fights back and that. And it's just, it's it's dark and it shouldn't be funny, but it's, it is funny. It is, you know, it's, it is quite a humorous thing for what it is in the, in the, in the, uh, in the dark humor of it. Um, again i think this is you know another a big old big old nostalgia film for me and i just i think it, you know it's brilliant like i said i just think a big part of that is because each character you know each actor portrays their part so well mm. that it makes you believe in those characters and believes in the film that that big be- bit better as well and you know it's great because because the kids aren't settling in they send them to a summer camp which is like the worst possible place you could send these kids you know there's a bit when um they're learning archery and Pugsley shoots down like an American bald eagle. <laughs> it's just like all the all the campers are like, that's a rare bird. It's like there's only there's only like one left of the world. It's like there was <laughs> like it's just this. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that yeah for me it's one of those films again. I think same as what you said about Mrs. Outfire. I could just come on and I'll just watch it because it's just it's just an enjoyable laugh and stuff like that. And you know I like I like nice. that I like that dark humor behind it as well. I appreciate that a lot. So I haven't seen this. Have you not? Have you seen the first one? I think so. I have a okay. feeling I have... Well, when I say I haven't seen it, I haven't seen all of it, or I've sat down okay. from start to finish. I've seen the bits where they go to the summer camp, because when you said summer camp, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Because, uh, yeah, I remember Wednesday, it's Wednesday that goes to the summer campus. Do they both go? 
They both do, yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember bits of it. And I when you're saying things, I'm like, yeah, I don't remember that. So, yeah, I, ha- I don't think I've seen it. I've definitely seen the first one. I'm pretty okay. sure I have. But again, I, I know this is one my wife loves the Adams family and it's the humor like you said it's the, it is. It's, the, it's, the black comedy sort of dark humor uh, that she finds that you, funny it's the stuff you shouldn't you know you shouldn't laugh at as well and it's it but it's funny there's there's a bit when like um you know when Angelica Houston's character's giving birth and she's not like screaming or stuff like that she's you know for, for the messed up part she's enjoying the pain and she says he says you know Gomez says like darling how are you feeling? Are you in agony? She's like, yes, yes, I am. He's like, so jealous. <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> just, but, you know, she said like, um, the, the doctor says like, would you like some drugs? And she's like, yes, but make sure everybody gets some. <laughs> so like, like, yeah, it's, nice. it's, it's, you know, it's, del- it's not even like, it's, um, I don't know, even the delivery of it, it's, it's, it's stuff that, you know, like I said, it's, it shouldn't be funny, but it is because mm. of just how, how, you know, dark it is and that, but, but I, yes. yeah, I, I love it. I think it's great. Good shout. I might have to put a bit in this for the yeah. go away one I, to remember if I actually have seen it or not. Yeah, like like I said, I think I think for me a massive part of it is just because of just how likable the characters are, yeah. just because how well they're portrayed. And I think that's nice. a massive part of it. Nice. Okay. Nice one. So <laughs> I'm gonna bring the mood down now for my number <laughs> two. That's what I do best. So I tossed between. I have. I still have a feeling, like I said at the end of the last episode, that we pretty much got the same number one. I really do, yeah. By your reaction that no one can see, uh, is, yeah. So I was torn between what I pick for number one. Um, Do I go serious or do I go nostalgia slash lighter option? But I've gone for my number two as the the less lighter option. So Mm. my number two is Schindler's List. Okay. So, um, this, similar to what we said about um, 12 12 Years a Slave, is a film you have to see, but maybe don't watch it every day or every week, because obviously the source material is horrific. You watch it to appreciate it. Yeah, I mean... Not appreciate the situation that it's based on. I think it's a... Yeah, I think it's a film. It's an important film, I think is how I would put it. It's 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 obviously a very, very, very sensitive subject matter. And you can it comes across when Spielberg is directing it that he's I can I can only imagine how difficult it was to, to approach this because you don't it like I said, very sensitive, but you don't you kind of want to show it and represent it for what it is, even though what it is is absolutely horrifying. Again, this was another film I laugh because I uh, so early that we watched this that they showed in that same history lesson with that same history teacher. Mm. And have you seen you've seen Shinless List? I've not. I'll be honest, I've not Sorry, seen what? it. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know, Sorry. I know. Did you just I, say is, you haven't seen this? This is this is one I have yet to watch. But I uh, I joke, but at the same time it's like is it a film I would recommend? See, that's because... see, that is that is a thing. So this is this is it's interesting you say about Probably as a slave because I have not recommended that to people, but I have said the same thing as you in the sense that you should watch it because you you know you know you need to appreciate the subject matter behind it 
Yeah. But it's not one of those films like, oh, God, you've got to watch this. You know, no. go and watch this now. Like, it's, it's one you've that you have to... You've got to be in the headspace to watch yeah. this. And not only that, it's a very long film. And, yeah, you, you really do have to be in the mindset because it is some really tough stuff. And obviously, you know, everyone knows how that it all panned out. And, yeah, uh, yeah recommend is probably the wrong word. I would suggest, if, you know, if you are looking at that point in history i mean you know the the basic story is following oscar schindler and is you know is trying to make light of the situation by rescuing as many jewish lives as possible from these camps um during world war ii um so i guess that is really the only positive out of that um outside of it is just there is a lot of stuff that is very harrowing and it's hard to watch to be honest, mm. um, it's a, a few a film I've probably seen twice, um, and bits of during um, school and the lesser horrific points, but it's it is like I said already a few times now. It's a very important film, and uh, I, and people need to see it. I think it's it's filmed in black and white. Obviously, I guess to represent the time it was set. Um, but the, it's one of those films as well. The use of colour um, really means something. And, and as you haven't seen it, you probably don't want, know what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to explain what that is because that mm. is a kind of a really poignant moment in the film. Um, so when colour does come on screen, it's for a reason. That's all I'll say. Okay. okay. Um, I actually, I'm going to say this is the film you watch. And I think... Okay. Because... I know I just said it's not one I'd recommend, but I think I think you need to watch it. I think okay. it's, it's so important. I think it's one of those big films that you know, everyone should watch at one point to understand the history, to understand what mm. happened, warts and all, and see, you know, be in the headspace to watch it. It is, it is you know, everything's on show. There is some really tough stuff to watch. I don't know if it's... I imagine it's an 18. I can't see the rating in front of me, but there is all I'll say, do you know? So Liam stars, Liam Neeson, Ben Kingsley, Ralph Fiennes. Um, I, it took me a very long time to like Ralph Fiennes after watching this film. Oh, um, okay. Well, it's one of those films. It's one of those films. I'm going to keep it as vague as that, but it took yeah. me a very long time to get over him being in this film. Oh, and, man, we've all had that. We've all had that one actor that's been in a film that's yeah. been such a bastard that you just like, nah, you're you you need to play like Santa Claus or something if I'm ever gonna love you again. Yeah. Or you know, luckily he's done you know Grand Budapest and other <laughs> yeah. light-hearted things. But yeah, I, I would also say, yeah, I'm gonna say it. Liam Neeson's best film. Okay, um, he's actually really good i mean the reason i say that is if you compare him to now where all he's doing is generic drunken police ex-police yeah. action film or taken um, seven it's a real shame because this is the potential he has to be such a great actor um i haven't seen all of his films but i mean this is the one i would say you know he's the he's the lead guy he's oscar schindler um, okay. so i'm gonna begrudgingly recommend this film for you to watch and i think okay. uh, you know i will say it is close to three hours long but i think as well 
that all of that aside it's filmed really well it's cinematography mm. is amazing the theme tune as well is is one that will stick with you um i'm gonna keep it vague purely for your benefit okay that although you know how this goes down because it's historically mm. well known unfortunately um I don't know. I don't know much about Sh- Sh- the Schindler's Crusade. That's anything I I know vaguely what the film's about, but I have no idea the the extent of that he goes to himself. So it okay. will still be new to me. But okay. a lot of the points you say is kind of what we said on Twelve Years a Slave, in the sense that those sort of films you shouldn't hold back. You shouldn't try and water down the story at all because I think it would kind of be disrespectful. Yeah, massively. If yeah. you you know if you're going to make a film about a, a a horrifying moment in time in history you shouldn't water it down if you really want the impact because yeah. you know same with 12, 12 years of slave there's parts in that film that are so horrible to watch not because of just what's happening but because of just how open and un uncensored the moment is you know and you have to because it's not it's not one of those subjects you you should be left to your imagination, or it should it or it should be implied that this thing happened. It's like no, mm. this thing used to happen. You're going to see a re a reenactment of what used to happen, just so you can exceed the extent of just how horrible and brutal it's, this it's, time was. I, I guess to a degree, it's an, it's educational in yeah. the sense of it's not something you would sort out to learn about necessarily, but you know this is a big part of history. And it needs to be represented and it's done in good hands, I think, with Spielberg and possibly his best film. I think certainly, you know, Spielberg is a is a weird director. He has these really serious, respectful, like classics like this. Then he also does AI and does, you know, different, you know, pick, you know and, and does another film, which we'll no doubt talk about. Um but, you know, he can do various other things. And I, I think that's why I respect Spielberg as well. He can do something like this and can do E.T., for example. Yeah. He can do two different, uh, you know, types of film and do them well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to say any more about it because I think this okay, is maybe that'll you should be, try and, Maybe about the, that, that'll be the one then. Yeah, I think try and, you know have an evening free dedicated to this and just experience it is probably the best way i'd phrase it okay uh yeah so that is my number two so can we safely announce that we have the joint number one should we say it at the same time sure are okay. you just going to purposely say something random just to <laughs> yeah. make me look like a tosser <laughs> yeah let's do it anyway, do it anyway. i'll embrace it, it anyway. yeah okay three one. two okay one two three <laughs> Jurassic Park. Full running. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Of course it is. Cool. Go on, then. you you open with Jurassic Park. I've talked. Uh, I've, I've brought the mood down for the last ten minutes. No, so. no, it's fine. And you know, this this is another testament to Mr. Spielberg and the fact that yeah, you can you can tell a, a real life story like Schindler's List and just absolutely do it. You know, uh, do it to its its hard. You know, hardcore do it justice yeah Yeah, storytelling and then you can go into science fiction masterpieces like jurassic park yeah and jurassic park for me this this wins for for me from a nostalgia point of view because i remember watching this as a kid and being literally you can watch it back now and there are you know there are bits that's still quite scary but i remember as a kid being absolutely petrified of like 
Oh god, yeah. Yeah, it. But it was one of those things as a kid where it was. It wasn't terrifying. Like turn it off. I can't watch it anymore. To the point where it's like, this is brilliant. Like it's. It, it was that right. Right level of scary as a kid and stuff like that with Jurassic Park. And that's kind of the age for me where I think a lot of you know a lot of people are age. That's when you kind of get into like dinosaurs and that oh, sort yeah. of thing. And yeah, and it, you know it's a perfect film for that. But. Um, last year, you know, as, as shit as last year was, one of the highlights of it, one of the few highlights, was finally getting to see this at the cinema. And like, you know, we talked before in our, our movie score um, episode, hearing the score alone booming over a massive, you know, cinema surround sound system, it just sent chills down my spine because you know, it just gave me goosebumps because it's such a... You know, John Williams can't do a bad score. And this is just absolutely brilliant. You know, when it all kicks in and you know that, you know, you're going back to the island, you know, you're going to the island of Jurassic Park and that. It's just, it's brilliant. I think, again, it's one of those films that has such a stellar cast. There doesn't seem to be any character out of place. There doesn't seem to be anybody that doesn't fit in. And it just, it doesn't... It builds up the tension as well because it's the whole thing of like, I remember, again, as a kid... You're promised, you know, the, the the idea is it's this island of dinosaurs. They've brought dinosaurs back to life. And yeah, you see like dinosaurs early on when they, they're first introduced, but the real action and the real tension doesn't happen until later on. You know, when they go past a T-Rex pen for the first time, there's no T-Rex. You know, they, they go past, you know, it's all this thing of like building up the tension, building up the tension. When it finally does, all hell breaks loose kind of thing. And I think that's goat? one of those things Where's where... Where's the goat gone? Yeah. That's it. Oh, it's just you know that bit with the T Rex when it's circling in the cars. That is probably one of the most iconic scenes in cinema ever because it's just it's the building of the tension, the the realization of the situation, and the and then the final reveal of the T Rex and the enormity of him and the situation the kids are in. I think you know to really appreciate, you have to put yourself in that situation of like imagine, imagine right now you're in that situation, how mm-hmm. terrifying that would be. And it's just, yeah, I, I absolutely love this film to bits. And this is this is not just my one of my favourite films of 93 and Desert Island films of this year. This is one of these films that I, you know, of all time that I would have to, you know, if, if I had to watch forever, this would be in the top either three or five films that I would, you know, want to watch forever because it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. And there's so many bits that, you know, it's one of these films where, you look back, you know, as a, as a grown up, and you can look into it and stuff like that. There's so much foreshadowing in this film, and little bits, tidbits, and little theories and stuff like that. It's it's brilliant, and you know, it's little things you appreciate a bit more. Um, I'll talk about it, you know, in a little, you know, after after you, you but like the foreshadowing and the little bits of like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. That's that's clever and stuff like that. It just makes you appreciate it more. And I think again, it's one of these films that. God, 93, so what's that? 18, no, 28 years ago? It still yep. holds up to this day, just, you know, just so visually, well. so just well. brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. And I think, you know, the use of animatronics and stuff like that just brings it to life that bit more and just the terrifying elements of it. It's just, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I, can't, I absolutely love this film. Yeah, I, I'm, I have no doubt that anyone listening to this has seen Jurassic Park, like it or not. But yeah, it's just a masterpiece. I had this. I like I said, I predicted this would be number one because everyone, everyone I know likes Jurassic Park. 
maybe not as a masterpiece, but they love it. It's it's up there, like you said, Mrs. Doubtfire is a film that anytime it's on, just just watch it, and it's just great. Um, it's weird how I think as well as a kid, Sam Neill for a very very long time, I hadn't seen Sam Neill in anything else. Yeah. He's always been playing. Uh, he's always for me was the, it's the guy from Jurassic Park. So for ages, I, that's the only thing I saw him in, and he's just great in this. Um, Same as Laura Dern, though. I've not seen a lot of stuff with Laura Dern. You say that, and then and then I found David Lynch and all the films that he's done with yes. her. So it's yes. like, I can't yeah, see her true. the yeah, same yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, recent films I've seen with Sam Neill, it's like, I can't watch Jurassic Park with him. It's like a darker <laughs> side. There's a darker side to both of those actors now that I can't scrap. But anyway... It's so good, like you said. I, I, I it's a film as well. I probably watch at least once every year, um, and yeah, it still holds up. And like you're saying about things you can read into it, um, it's weird. It's not weird, but it's you, you see now. Now being a dad, there's this whole uh, kind of subtext to the film about it's kind of Sam Neill's uh, challenge of fatherhood as well. So if you yeah. compare how he is with kids at the start of the film. Like he's actively dodging that, the the boy, I can't remember is the boy's name. Um, Timmy. Timmy, that's it. He's actively dodging him through cars and like he keeps yeah. asking him questions and he's like, I just don't want to answer you. And he's like, he's just, he's really uncomfortable around kids. And then cut to him at the end where he's, he's holding both of them in the helicopter on the way. And it's his journey of kind of fatherhood, it's embracing cut, fatherhood. Yeah. Him, him, kind of kicking into that paternal thing of protecting the young kind of thing. Yeah, just like dinosaurs did. Like it's, you know, it's. Yeah, um, it's that's yeah. that's that's pretty much what the film is about. I I think is actually in, and, and the dinosaurs are kind of the background. Actually, the film's about in, like the challenge of becoming a father. And I think now becoming a dad, you kind of see these extra bits to it. Mm. It's, you know, on one hand, it is this action-packed. Um, blockbuster of a film and you can appreciate on that level but the best films for me work on multiple levels and it's also got this fatherhood strand that is really noticeable or more noticeable now um, yeah there's there's more than just that going on I think so the overarching thing and if you look back in the film there's so many points that it, it, it raises against Jeff Goldblum's line of life finds a way there is so much in that film that that relates to, and it's it's mad when you look back on it and stuff like that, and you looked into it and stuff like that as as I've I've done, you know, as a massive Jurassic Park geek. There is so much in that film that proves that point. So, like you said, very you know, great point there about uh, Sam Neill's character, Doctor Grant. You know, he doesn't like kids, doesn't get on well with them, finds them awkward. Life finds a way, and he found a way to connect with these kids and ends up you know protected him he found a way do you know the whole do you know the whole foreshadowing about the seatbelts no so when you're saying foreshadowing i was like i don't know if i know where you're going with this but so but i'm happy to hear in the film um the uh dr Wu explains that all the dinosaurs on the island are female to stop yeah. them from reproducing but life finds a way and ultimately they do repopulate or you know or reproduce in the early part of the film, when they are um, dropping down in the helicopter onto the island, yeah, he ties the uh, belt up. Yeah, so he he they say, oh, "Put your seatbelts on, we're we're dropping," 
and he grabs the seatbelts, but he's got two female seatbelt connectors. Oh my god! And what does Holy he do? Shit. What does he do? He ties them together. He finds a way. Holy shit! To, and it's it's that mad thing of like he had two female connectors, two things that shouldn't go together. He makes them work. Life finds Holy a way. Holy shit! That's incredible. And, it, and that's the thing. It's it's stuff like that. There are so many other things in it as well. There's some. Oh, there's there's a couple of others. There's one where it's like. Oh god, what is it? There's another one that's like I'm still a bit really I'm reeling a little bit to be fair. Yeah, but that's 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 one of the biggest ones where it's like such a foreshadowing thing of him like, oh, I've got two female connectors. That's right. I'll I'll, I'll make it work. Yeah. Boom. Life finds a way. Just like the dinosaurs did. They were all female, but they had they evolved, they mad. adapted, they evolved, they adapted. Life found a way. And it's 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 mad how many different things as well throughout the film there are of that as well where it's just when, when you said Jeff Goldblum quote, quote, I thought you were going to say, that's one big pile of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's some foreshadowing. <laughs> clearly not. But yeah, and it's just, I remember re- like looking at that and being like, oh my God, that's such a, that's such a little, that's amazing. You know, little tidbit of like. Though, I knew the belt bit where you were talking about, like he ties them together, but I never even twigged about but, that link of, you know, the female dinosaurs and the. But there's all there's all the little things of like even that that could be read in one or two ways. One the fact of you know two female connectors shouldn't work. He he finds a way. But someone else has pointed out well that just goes to show straight away this park is not ready. You can't even get yeah. the safety measures on yeah. on the thing that you know. There's all these little things that are like you know this isn't going to be good when it's like oh yeah that thing doesn't work. Like okay. If that thing doesn't work, what else doesn't work yeah. on this island? And it's yeah. just, yeah, it's it's one of those films that you can enjoy for what it is of this science fiction action adventure about man against a creature that was ex- well, it's, extinct it's, billions it's of years ago. Playing, it's man playing God, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's even the part when they're at dinner and, uh, you know, they're talking about it and... Uh, God Dr. creates Lance, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> God creates women, man. Women take over the earth. That's how it <laughs> yeah, ends. That's what women inherit the earth. But um, but you know they say about you know you've got two species divided by sixty five billion years of evolution thrown, thrown into the same world. Together. Like yeah, and it's just it is. And you know, and even Laura Dern's character she explains like you've got plants out there that are massively poisonous, but you've put them out there because they look pretty. Yeah. But that you know you don't understand what you're doing. You're bringing these things back to life, and it's. It's, again, what Jeff Goldblum says, you were working on so fast on whether you could, you should have asked whether you should. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it to bits. <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum is so funny. He's like, uh, is there any dinosaurs on this tour? Hello? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so it's like, funny. I, I really do hate that man. Yeah, <laughs> like, I do hate that man. <laughs> but uh, there's one bit, and again, it's, it's, it's only a little bit, but like, uh, I I can't believe I've never noticed it before, but when I saw it in the cinema last year, the very end bit when they are running from the raptors, which again, absolutely terrifying as a kid, yeah. you know, because it's because it's chasing the children. That's the thing you put you, you put yourself in that situation and as a kid, a kid of like, yeah. yeah, you've got no adults around you to protect you. It's you on your own, stuff like that, and it just elevates that, you know, how terrifying it is. But um, the bit when they're escaping the raptors, they climb into the ceiling. The vent. to escape yeah into the vent and dr grant kicks the ladder out the way 
as if like <laughs> yeah, yeah I always think that <laughs> yeah, like yeah I've the never... Velociraptor is going to climb it <laughs> yeah. like, Velociraptor's like uh... bugger I can't I can't climb the ladder now he's kicked it out like it just it's such a but I can imagine it being one of those dumb things where like if you're in that situation you'd be like quick just kick the ladder like yeah. just you know just I would love to see you know when they cut to like the Velociraptor's feet which is clearly a man just <laughs> yeah. pro- like yeah. doing that up the ladder <laughs> just, <laughs> wow <laughs> I'd love to have seen that it's like, oh my god they've they found a way to climb ladders like they're evolving too quick uh, well he yeah. opens the door don't they they open the door it. at one that's point it, yeah. but, so yeah let's oh, oh yeah that it's just it's just classic isn't it it's nothing can tarnish it it's untouchable in my eyes so absolutely. it had to be number one didn't it absolutely absolutely uh right so I'm conscious we've gone through we spent a lot of time on our top five, so we'll rattle through our honourable mentions as well. Okay. So I'll throw it to you first then. Um, five, I know we struggled because you said, that, you know, this is obviously a great year. Mm-hmm. So uh, five more honourable mentions that you've got now. Okay, so one of them was Collector's Way, which you've mentioned. So nice. that's that's uh, one of them. Number two is one I've only watched recently. Um, is Falling Down. Oh, it's so good. It's in mine yeah. as well. It's so yeah, so good. down. So Michael Douglas, uh, not to, not to give too much away. A man who's pushed too far. <laughs> He's had a bad day. He's had a bad day, and my goodness, does he does he take it out on everybody? But Michael um, Douglas's yeah. best film? Question uh, mark. See, ah, see, I really like the game, which I know you hate. I fucking hate the game. But yeah, yeah, we'll so, cover that. Yeah, and I like Ant Man, but that's my, this me being a Marvel fan, Marvel boy. Um, last action hero. So I haven't got this down because I don't think I've fully seen it, and I know right. you know I know yeah. you know it's I've, it's Arnie and it's yeah. um, oh Game of Thrones. Michael Dance. What's his name? John Charles Dance. Charles Dance. Yeah. Michael Dance. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good shout. Uh, another nostalgia one, which I absolutely loved as a kid, and I watched the video like a thousand times when I had it as a kid. Free Willy. I knew it. It's got to be. It's so good. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, I'd love know, to go just... back to it, actually, because it's been a while since... I don't think I've seen it since being a kid. So, funny enough, you know, we talked about um, Blackfish on the 2013 <laughs> episode. Yeah. So, last year, I randomly had, like, an aquatic movie day where I watched Free Willy, <laughs> then Blackfish... Then Jaws. So it was kind of like... <laughs> yeah, the aquatic film I t- night. I tell you what, I tell you what? what it was, because uh, we watched Free Willy, and then obviously it came up with, like, <laughs> oh, recommendations on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Then it was like, would you like to watch Blackfish? It's like, um, I guess. Like, And then watched that, and it was like, okay, would you like to now watch Jaws? Like, yeah, go on then. Fuck but, it. Um, but yeah, Free Willy, you know, horrible aquarium aside, you yeah. know, it is a, you know... Lovely story. Can, can you that. share just... off on the pod the, the funny Free Willy themed story that you told me before? What about my parents? <laughs> yeah, about the video. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> this was like when we first, uh, when we like one of our first family computers, stuff like that, and I was like enthralled with like learning all the different bits and bobs that we had on it. And one of them was like Movie Maker. And I used to make like little trailers and stuff like that, and like, you know, I used to make uh, I used to make like holiday video clips and stuff like that out of our photos and stuff. And there was one of like uh, my parents in the swimming pool in Spain. I just thought it'd be funny to just put a selection of photos of them in the pool over the top with the Free Willy theme over the top of it, which 
They found funny for all about five seconds. They were like, that's really bang out of order. But... You know what would have been even funnier? If you played the harmonica along, but like that really <laughs> yeah. off-tone one. <laughs> or... or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly, but but yeah, and you know, and we all do become our parents because I've got my dad's gut now. So you know, it's you know, karma, karma at, at its finest. I love but, that story. Just like, what is this, Max? What's this music? Just <laughs> yeah, wait, like, just wait. Just, just the, it's the free Willy theme. But um, but yes, yeah, that another nostalgia one there. We talked about it before, but Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, Cool Runnings. Absolutely love Cool Runnings. You know the. Loosely based on the Jamaican bobsleigh team, uh, one of John Candy's best films. Yeah. So many different quotable lines, funny film. Yeah, that it is. There's like I said, every film on my list is just absolutely brilliant. So it's hard to kind of even pick out honourable mentions, but those are the ones that stick out for me. No, you've done pretty well to be fair. Some good. There's some definitely ones that have overlapped from mine. So outside of the ones you've already said. Um... I've got a few more. Um, so this is, I think, is one of those films that my parents, bless them, uh, thought, hmm, he likes dinosaurs, he likes Jurassic Park. I know what you're going to say. You st- I know, you, yeah, you talked about this before. Yeah, it's um, it's called We're Back, A Dinosaur yeah. Story. And it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it is so good. Um, it's only like 70 minutes long. And I, I, like I said, I'm pretty sure my parents are like, yeah, this is dinosaurs. He's going to love this. And I still fucking love it. it. I've watched it recently. I watched it with my daughter because she's, bless her, she's into dinosaurs as well. So I'm like, just watch this, a.k.a. I just Have you shown Jurassic it. Park? God, no, not yet. <laughs> fair enough, no, fair enough. Just the scene where the guy gets eaten on the toilet. <laughs> yeah, or, or splice parts of We're Back with Jurassic Park. Like. <laughs> yeah. But like, this has got, it's got John Goodman in it. Jay Leno is in it for some reason. Um and the voice of Lisa Simpson is in this. I can't remember oh, okay. her name. But it really freaked me out. It was the first time I realised, hold on, that's Lisa Simpson's voice. You can't be in two films, two different <laughs> yeah. things at the same time. That's blasphemy. That's cartoon um, blasphemy. But yeah, bit of context. Um, it's basically, it's an animated, kids animated film. And he goes back in time to the time of the dinosaurs um, who are, you know, t-rex uh, the main ones are t-rex pterodactyl and triceratops and they're all vicious you know creatures of their time but brings them to the modern day where they're made into more sort of fluffy likable characters um where kids can appreciate them and um it's, it's just really really good i have a feeling i think spielberg is a producer or is linked into this somehow he seems to be he has a finger in every pie um but this is such a great story it's actually really sad moment towards the end as well it's it it's one of those ones like we've said numerous times as well there are untouchable childhood films and this is one of them for me i was very close to putting it in the top five okay um that i love it that much um but i thought i've already got jurassic park so i can't have two dinosaur films that's that's ludicrous <laughs> if you um, put this as number one instead of jurassic park could you imagine <laughs> pure utter sabotage um so a few more um in the name of the father which is a young yes. Daniel Day Daniel Lewis, Day Lewis film, brilliant film. Which is really good. Um, in fact, I watched I watched an hour's worth again. Of, yeah, I watched an hour's worth again because it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, and you've got classic. I can never say his surname properly. Pete Postlethwaite, I think is yes. how you say it. 
I love him. He's such a great actor. I remember him in Romeo and Juliet and various other films as well. But he's he's brilliant in this as well. And then I've got one film which my wife introduced me to, and I didn't think I'd love, but I absolutely do. And it is called What's Love Got to Do with It? And okay. it is about the story of Tina Turner. Now, I can honestly oh. say I am not a huge Tina Turner fan, um, but her story of her life is, is well, it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a tough story, but as a, as a film, it's a, it's a great film. You've got Angela Bassett who plays Tina Turner, probably best known from, oh God, well, she's in the recently the Mission Impossible films. She's in loads of films and you, you, she's in also an American Horror Story as well. Um, yes, yeah, so, sorry, I know who you mean. Uh, she's, yes, 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 I know who you mean. Do you know what I mean? She's in various things that for she some reason in, um, I can't think of right now. The People versus O.J. Simpson. Is she? I think she was, yeah. Nice. But yeah. Yeah, I know who you mean. But she is fantastic. She is so good in this. Um, although I read after she does mime the songs it doesn't come across in the, the way she's delivering it, the passion she's doing. It's like she's putting everything into it. It's okay. so good. You've got Lawrence Fishburne, who plays Ike Turner, who, if you don't know much about him, probably best not to. He's a bit of a, bit of a bastard. Um, but like I said, for I, I think a film works well if you're all like, also works for documentaries as well. If the subject matter you don't, either you don't, you're not a big fan of or you don't know much about, for it to still, you know, work and you can enjoy it, if you like music, fan of the music or not, um, that is a that's a great sign of a great film for me. And this is uh, a really good example of that. Um, it's a really good story, like her to understand how she became Tina Turner and the the struggle she went through, um, and then how I think Tina Turner worked very closely with the the film itself as well, but. It's a really underrated film. I don't get talked about enough. I remember, I don't think I'd even heard of it until uh, my wife introduced me to it. And it's a really great film. Um, really recommend it if you do have time to watch it. Um, so yeah, those were mine. And the other last very quick one was True Romance, which is written is by Tarantino. Slater. Yeah, it's written by Tarantino, but not directed by. It's a good, good fun. It's, it's okay. a, You can tell it's a Tarantino script, the way they talk. Um, but yeah, great cast: Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, uh, Gary Oldman, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Brad Pitt, Samuel Jackson, James Gandolfini. So many people now that you know, you just know. Um, so yeah, that is my honourable mentions. Nice. Uh, which brings us uh, your favourite part. I think is to know when the next year is. That's only because uh, it doesn't hit me straight away. What you what unless unless I. I know for sure then it doesn't hit me then I google it it's like oh shit that's why when I said 93 last time and you were like hmm I can't think I was like (laughs) you will fucking know you're number one trust me right so I'm gonna quickly do randomize R so (laughs) the next year that we are gonna talk about is 2011 anything spring into mind Mm, I know mine. It's the thing is, I think because we're going by US dates from using IMDb and that yeah. for ease, it might be different to your the UK release because 
yeah so it's a good uh, year from what i remember um there's i know my number one straight off but yeah see that's the thing i think there's a lot of times when we talk about it when it's like i remember seeing that film but i saw it maybe like yeah the early part of the year after because it came out in the u.s previously or the exactly no doubt i'll google it i'm like oh shit you're what you're whatsapp me in five minutes going oh okay. yeah interesting uh yeah i think i yeah i think i have an idea nice thanks again for today it is a good one this is a really good year 93 there's a lot of yeah a lot of childhood nostalgia in here which I think, is i think for good. you know the uh, same for you probably a lot of these films is when we first started watching films properly and like appreciating mm. them i suppose and that's why a lot of these are you kind of nostalgia kick ones and i think that's why i think on these episodes so far the earlier years have been a lot more nostalgia whereas the older ones yeah more, these have been films that have been like you appreciate it a bit more there's not so much nostalgia it's like the actual film itself has yeah been, that's you know, why i'm the, liking the, the that it's that's... it's shifted decade well, two kind of two different decades, I guess, yeah. um, because it's a different place. We were at different ages where we were watching films. So, like you said, the earlier ones when we were like too young to have seen a lot of these films at the cinema, we've got that nostalgia element. Whereas the the latter ones are very much like, oh, you know, film connoisseur. We know what we're talking about. Blah blah blah. Do we? Do we really? Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. So thanks again for today. And we'll get you on for 2011. So time's... Ah, well, hold on. Before we go, film recommendations. I forgot about that. So, so I'm going to I'm gonna watch Schindler's List. But if I'm not in the mood for it, I'll watch Tombstone. That's fair. Okay, I, if, I would, if I'm yeah, not... I, I would say... Now that's fair. Schindler's List, you do need to be in the mindset for. Yeah. And, it, you know, you need to at least tee up something positive afterwards. If you're not quite in that space to watch it, then Tombstone. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, do, I'll do Tombstone as a safety, but Schindler's List is the, the one. I, it's one you need to watch regardless, podcast or not. It's okay. at some point, pencil it in. Um, so for me, I think I'd seen most of yours, if not all of them. Uh, or outside of Adam's Family Values and Last Action Hero. If you uh, I would say watch, only because it was in my top five, I'd say watch Adam's Family Values. Yeah, okay. Nice one. It's a cool. nice, uh, I think, you know, because we both said before, we, you know, we love Tim Burton stuff, and I think this is kind of, it's not Tim Burton, but it is on that kind of macabre humour. vibe. Yeah, it's, you know, it's that kind of universe of, you know, the... the that I've done all the different characters and stuff like that and just how how they can play over and stuff like that so that would be my I'll go watch Shinna's List and you go and watch Adam's Family Values it's kind of different there isn't it yeah. once again I get to watch AI and have this yeah, Black I just, Mirror this is this how it Black works Mirror, Black Mirror heartbroken film and you get to go watch Harry Potter and the Boxer's Stone it's like it just shows how the kind of films we watch. I suggest the bleak film to watch, <laughs> and you suggest the upbeat, fun film. What was it? What was it? I watched. Under well, the I watched Skin. Harry Potter, and you watched yeah. AI. Yeah, and then what was the one before that? I watched Under the Skin, and you watched. Um, uh, oh, uh, what was it? 2013. 
it was oh Philomena. So I guess it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was yeah. But then the other one was like Idiocracy and Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a running theme. So get yeah, yeah get your bleak bleak movie ready for next. Yeah. Week. It just it just shows I I I like to escape from reality by watching comedies too much and stuff like that. Or you know. Whereas I just like to sit in the room watch terrible <laughs> stuff. A, di- a dimly lit room watch dark. Yeah. Serious films and all. Call it Bleak Bleak Monday. Blue Monday. (laughs) Bleak Manor. (laughs) Oh, blimey. Right, on that note, thanks again for today. And I'll speak to you next time for 2011. Look forward to it, man. Speak to you soon. Cheers, mate. Bye.